This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu. For some, spending days behind bars in jail is the result of nursing gone wrong. Today, we're not talking about malpractice or unethical behavior, but the role of a prison nurse. Ready to hear more about correctional nursing? Stay tuned. Hey guys, I'm Adia Hansen. And I'm Corbin Smith. Together, we are going to explore the nursing profession. With exclusive interviews from nurses working in jobs you want to know about. Transferring info from one nurse to another. This is the college handoff. Welcome back to the college handoff. In this episode, we're going to showcase a unique perspective of what it's like to be a prison nurse. We'll talk to Colleen Guyman. She's the deputy director of clinical services for the Utah State Prison in Salt Lake City. We'll also chat with James Reinhardt, a Spokane trauma nurse. Both share intriguing stories of providing care in the safe environment while serving the incarcerated population. Let's get started. Our first guest today is Colleen Guyman. She's the Deputy Director of Clinical Services for the Utah State Prison in Salt Lake City. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your career? Sure. So I started working at the Utah Department of Corrections 18 and a half years ago. I was a, a nurse. I had been working mostly in hospital settings, and just uh, this was just a different uh, area of nursing. As you know, there's lots of different areas people can work that are nurses and um, try a different avenue and started working corrections. I really um, enjoyed it. Um, um, in my career, I actually became a senior nurse and I was a supervising nurse for a long time um, on night shifts. And then I eventually became the infectious disease coordinator. And I did that for four years. I also did um, OB nursing here at the prison. We have a telemed uh, program where we do uh, cares for our, our pregnant uh, individuals. And so I did that for four years also. And um, January of last year, I became the director of nursing. And um, then just a couple of days ago, I actually uh, promoted to um, the deputy warden of clinical services. So that's been my career here. So I know this isn't your current role, but what is the role of a correctional nurse? Oh, that's a great question. So, and I don't think a lot of nurses think about correctional nursing. It's not a career I actually thought I would go into when I became a nurse, but um, I found it a very rewarding and um, interesting career choice for me. Um, so the role is basically the same as it would be for like a small town nurse where we see a um, patients with all different kinds of healthcare issues. So we take care of any kind of medical issue any person here would have. And so we um, don't necessarily specialize in just one area. So we'll see uh, anybody of any age, like we actually have offenders sometimes as young as 16 and offenders that are in their 90s. And so we take care of anybody along those spectrum. And like I mentioned, we have uh, women here too. So we have women's health care. And um, some of our nurses that we have 
that are our clinic nurses and follow some of these cases is we actually have nurses that do infectious disease, chronic care. Um, we have clinical nurses that have specialized like in wound care. We have also mental health specialists. So we have de several different roles that are nurses here. We actually have inpatient nursing too, or inpatient cares for medical and mental health. And so we have nurses that actually work in those areas. And so there is quite a wide range of things that correctional nurses can do. And you see a lot of different things that you might not see working in hospitals, but you might do if you were like a nurse in a rural community. This is a very underserved population. And um, they have a lot of cares because they tend to not take care of themselves when they're not uh, incarcerated. Okay, so let's talk about how you do healthcare in facilities. If I'm not mistaken, there's an intake exam, right? How does that work? Sure. So when we have a an offender come in for intake, our nurses do do initial do an initial screening, and we have a set up program for that, and we screen them for anything you think of it. Pretty much the same as a nurse would do uh, for somebody coming in as a new patient. We ask them about all of their history, all their medications and any current problems they have. And of course, if they come in with immediate needs, we take care of that. And then we, of course, screen them for mental health issues. And um, we have a mental health team that can follow up with them, or we can have emergent care, mental health or um, medical, whatever is needed at that time. And once we do an intake process, with the whole layer of COVID, we actually um, have our offenders be quarantined or cohorted for a two-week period and do testing during that in coordination with our health department to um, keep our facility safe and and rule out if they've been exposed to COVID before they came in. Interesting. Okay. So say someone needs medication or something like that. How does that work? So delivery of medication, we have, I, I should mention also, we have a pharmacy here that we feel like over... 30,000 scripts a, a month. So we have a very active pharmacy here. And then we do have um, EMTs that work on site also. So we met, we have a um, staff of EMTs and there is a medication delivery system. So where our offenders live in certain housing areas, we will do pill passes or medication lines. And we do those several times a day. And our EMTs or our nurses who are assigned to that area will go and do deliver the medications um, and also help coordinate any cares the offenders need at that site. Or if an emergency comes up, they, just like you would in a, in a small town, if an emergency comes up, we will deploy um, EMTs or nurses to go to that housing area, evaluate them, bring them to our infirmary for cares, or um, send them to outside care facilities if needed. That was a little more than pill pass, but, or medication delivery, but yeah. We, we have, you know, so we want to make sure they get their medications. And so we we have medications that are passed every day, several times a day in every area. <laughs> and then we actually have also an inpatient mental health program where we have nurses 24-7. And, um, and they are seen several times a day for medication administration, um, similar to like you would see in a mental health uh, hospital. Now let's transition to your current role. As the director of nursing, how do you keep your staff, the people that work for you, engaged? I think 
like anywhere else, you, you have to like let your staff know that you value them. This is a tough job and, and it's, it's not very appreciated sometimes, I think. I think that there's a view that nurses that work at a correctional facility can't get jobs other places, but I will tell you that is absolutely not true. Our staff are very educated and they have a lot of um, critical thinking skills. They have a wide range of understanding of, of medical and nursing issues. And so we um, we show them that they're valued. We talk a lot to them. We provide them uh, a chain of command that they can work through. We offer them training. We just the state program also offers them assistance if they need it. Um, they are provided any they are provided access to mental health or counseling free of charge if they need it because it is a difficult environment to work in. Um, we make sure that they always know who their chain of command is and that they feel like they have that support from their executive staff or their um, their nurse nursing administrators that are over them. And even though I have been director of nursing and now I'm moving on to another role, I frequently have conversations with our floor nurses. I know them all by name. We we have a very good relationship. And in, and uh, any nurse will tell you, even working in a hospital, it's it's the the people you work with. I really like the people I work with. I have great senior nurses, and the assistant director of nursing I work with is is just phenomenal. Um, my executive staff that I work with, they're all supportive. It's a very supportive environment. That's great. And I think that can really help nurses to avoid things like burnout, for example. But I found in preparing for this interview, there's actually something called corrections fatigue. Is that a real thing? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think you, I think there's, you know, burnout of any um, kind of nursing that we do, but corrections fatigue, definitely. You deal with a very difficult population here, obviously, and not everybody can do it. And um, we, we try, we do classes, like I said, on a regular basis, there's, there's a training that is required every year for our staff to take. And it talks specifically about this. Um, not only our nurses and our, all our other staff, but all correction staff are actually required to take this where they can reflect on, you know, that they can become fatigued and having perspective and not allowing themselves to go down a path where they think they kind of get in the drudgery because this population is very difficult to deal with. So is there a story or experience that you've had when you really felt glad or happy to be a correctional nurse or serve in a correctional facility? Well, yeah, I actually have lots of stories and um, it involves like, so I've had lots of conversations with offenders here and a lot of them have been during um, treatment when they've been very stressed and you, you can provide, you know, uh, compassion and support, even during very stressful times. We've, I've had, you know, conversations with people that were very distraught over their diagnosis and you, you do nursing care the same way you would for somebody who does, who's not incarcerated. I've had, um, I, I mentioned at one point I was part of the OB program and I've had very, um, good conversations with some of the women who were pregnant here. And obviously this was not their ideal place to be why they were experiencing pregnancy. And, 
and I had some conversations with them about their plans and, you know, becoming a mother and, and tried to support them during that and help them, you know, get through this very difficult time in a very difficult place. And so I, I, I think I've had some very good experiences being a nurse here. Um, even with some of our um, other staff, it, it, we've always been able to support each other. We've had to have, you know, mass casualties where we've had fights and we've all been down there working on, you know, multiple um, patients and caring for them and, and sending them out on ambulances. And then we get done and we all go and debrief and talk about it. And, you know, we took care of the people and we, we didn't really look at them as offenders and we just took care of people and did our job. And it, it's been rewarding to work here. And I've, learned a lot and it's been a good career for me. Well, we've come to the end of our time here today, but if a student has any questions about correctional nursing, how could they reach you? Um, through my email, um, my email is Colleen Guyman, so C-O-L-L-E-E-N-G-U-Y-M-O-N at Utah, U-T-A-H dot gov. Sweet. Colleen, we want to thank you so much for being on the show today to share all of this amazing stuff with us. Thank you so much for having me. The BYU College of Nursing Spring 2021 magazine is out and has recently been shipped. If you didn't receive one or you would like to request a copy, please send your name and mailing address to nursingpr at byu.edu. Okay, we're here with James Reinhardt. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, I graduated the end of 2019, uh, stepping into uh, a job right now at Sacred Heart Hospital in Spokane uh, in the full swing of COVID. Um, I've managed to stay sane throughout the year. Uh, I've grown a lot. I have two kids and one on the way. I swear there's something in the Provo water. Be careful if you're drinking it there. Um, and we are uh, we're happily settling in, and um, yeah, I've, on my capstone, I got to serve some time in the prison and uh, in the jail as well. But I got to walk out at the end of every shift. So, so you completed the vulnerable population clinical practicum for the public and global health nursing course at the Utah State Prison, right? How did you get to use your nursing skills during that experience? Yeah. Um, Nursing skills is pretty broad, and I'm learning just how broad it is as I step on the floor on a med surge unit, um, because there's there's more than just the IV and knowing the medications. So I feel like that's what we're what we're hungry for in nursing school. Uh, there's also the soft skills of how do you handle your client patient, and what do you do when there's not uh, a lack of time but uh, a surplus of things to do. Uh, so at at the prison, and we got to spend uh, a day in, in one of the county jails there too. Um, I definitely learned a lot about my own safety, uh, communication, situational awareness, um, troubleshooting, uh, almost kind of a rural nursing as well. Um, for example, when I was consistent and clear between all my patients and uh, they knew and I knew that I wouldn't do anything for one patient that I, I wouldn't do for another. Uh, I was able to avoid favoritism um, and 
have clear communication and being forthright and honest with them so that I could hold my limits and they could hold their limits so that we can make sure that we're safe. Uh, and now as I go to work and as I uh, take care of uh, incarcerated patients that come to the hospital seeking care, um, I kind of already know how to set limits. Or if they are uh, in restraints or maybe they, they came in on drugs or there's some bipolar or other safety issues there, uh, I can already apply what I what I learned there at the prison. So how do you serve a group of people like this without judging them based on their past actions? I, I guess one way to, to set myself up to not judge as much is that you just don't uh, Google search their name because <laughs> it'll pull up a police report that talks about some kind of felony or murder or what have you. Um, and so I don't, I'm not sure if I... If I initially judged somebody, it was more afterwards where I happened to find out that, you know, they were there for some kind of murder. I guess there was one time and um, just trying to keep it all within within HIPAA and the privacy laws there, uh, there can be patients who uh, can be on death row and maybe the patient has Alzheimer's now or dementia, or they're just so old that they don't really know what they did. Um, and the government is still supporting for them to stay alive uh, until their eighth or 10th or 11th appeal. And, and so there's, I guess there's some interesting situations that you can find yourself in that maybe there were some feelings of, you know, why am I still caring for this person? when all of these horrible things have happened and now there's, it's just the boost in the pudding that we're giving them that's, that's sustaining their life from day to day. Um, these people are children of God, just like you and I. Um, I did not know their background story. I would assume that my parents may have loved me more. I may not have been recruited into a gang when I was in between the ages of six and 12. Uh, though I have my own vices, none of them included uh, drugs that I'd shoot up with. Um, and so I was either dealt a better hand of cards or made less uh, drastic choices in my young age uh, that allowed me to walk out of BYU instead of walking out of the out walking out of a prison. Um, so yeah, I, I guess just just knowing that I, I don't know the whole story, and and honestly, you don't really get to be friends with them, and they go through a whole lot of training that maybe you might get to know their first name, but. Uh, there's not a whole lot of buddy-buddy there, and I think that that's, that's okay for safety. Could you give us a rundown of what a day in the life of a prison nurse looks like? So a, a day in the life of, of a prison nurse, um, it, was, it was pretty fantastic. Definitely different than uh, experiences that you get at a skilled nursing facility. So picture yourself. You get out your name badge, and you look at the barren wasteland, and you see that there's barbed bar wire fences and three, three uh, locked gates and armed security guards. Uh, side by sides, walkie talkies, and, and you're going to walk into that. And you're going to walk out at the end of the day, right? Um, as a emergency tech at, uh, at the Utah Valley Hospital, I definitely felt less safe than I was at the prison. And I, I don't think that's my naivety speaking, uh, but just the security is so tight and you get to walk in it and you get to be protected by it. I love it. Uh, so you stand at the gate, somebody's always with you. There's, I mean, you're, you're joined at the hip with somebody who has a name badge. Uh, you're bringing in your backpack that's clear so that everybody can see what you have going in and what you have coming out. 
um, you start the day by going to one of the separate blocks. Um, maybe it's your turn to do med pass. Similar to that at a, at a skilled nursing facility, they have the big cart with all the different names and all the different meds. Um, and you get there by getting into a gator or a side-by-side. -side. You and your preceptor hop into one, uh, you drive, you uh, signal up to the command towers to say that you are the nurse going to this gate, going to uh, that block. Um, you get in there and you you pass meds. Uh, you take complaints that the that the inmates have. Hey, check out my toe. I have this weird red thing going on. Uh, my tooth is hurting. I mean, you, you're kind of the first one on scene, almost as if it were rural nursing and you're going out to separate islands. Um, in the middle of the med pass, you hear over the walkie-talkie that uh, somebody fainted at the cafeteria, right? So you're the one that's there and there's no 911. <laughs> I mean, you're it, right? Uh, so you, you get there, maybe you grab one of the vans that you drive over and stretcher uh, along with a, you know, the security escort to see what's going on, assess the situation, take vital signs, determine, you know, is this something that they need to go in for? Is there some kind of a behavioral thing? Well, let's check out the record as well, make sure that they're safe and you're safe. Uh, and after that, you know, you debrief, hey, were we there fast enough? Uh, was everybody safe? What actually happened? What's what's going on with the, with the inmate there? Um, and it's you working hand in hand with security. Uh, later that day, you go back to the infirmary, which is the main hub. Um, and uh, there on the, on the two trauma tables, you see that there's uh, two guys that are pretty darn beat up, uh, bloodied up. Um, and they're shackled to the bed. Anybody who's in the infirmary is, is shackled. Uh, so you go in and you talk, hey, do you, do you want to share what happened or no? We're gonna support you either way um, as the inmate tries to decide if, if this is, if him squealing is gonna be better for his health or not, because he's gonna have to go back, even if we move him to a different block or change dates that he's going out versus the other gang members are going out. Um, and you're there as the PA sutures them up or helps out with that abscess. Um, later that day, that same bed is used for some pretty darn extensive wound care. Um, boy, what else? And then while uh, one of your intakes comes in, so they were maybe in the jail uh, and whatever with their sentence or their time has brought them to the prison. Um, and they're pretty upset about something. Um, pretty pretty darn upset, maybe maybe yelling, maybe screaming. And so you call, it's, it's not a code, I forget what it was, but essentially <laughs> the uh, within a minute, you don't have just the, just the security that's already there with you, but you have these boys that look like stormtroopers dressed up in black. Uh, face shields, elbow pads, knee pads, and you get six of them. Well, you go sit behind the glass barrier uh, in the infirmary and you just watch as justice is served and as you're super safe <laughs> because the response time for security to be there is worlds faster than I've seen it at the hospital that I work at now or even at the emergency department that I was in just because that's what they're, that's what they're geared up for. Um, and, and you love it. You develop a really close uh, bond with the, um, with the officers that are there. And 
you also make sure that you yourself are safe, that you're taking corners wide, that you know exactly what's in the room, that uh, even though you don't have to trust, you can still ask that inmate, hey, I'm here to care for you. Do you have anything on you that's dangerous that could hurt yourself or that could hurt me? And it's 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 a pretty sweet day. Uh, you maybe have more time to sit and study than you would at a, another hospital because maybe you just have uh, six or seven patients that aren't as acute. If they are super acute or need more care, then they're probably going to go to the hospital where they have more funds to direct towards healthcare, whereas the infirmary is a small part of the government-driven prison budget. And, and you discuss and say, you know, this patient who is on death row who's getting chemo, and that chemo is eating up the infirmary budget, well, that, that, that kind of stinks, but what else do we do with it? So let's make best use with the beds that we have that are quite old or um, with the gear that we have to make sure that we're doing the best care that we can. Yeah, I hadn't thought about some of that stuff before. So with all of that, are there a lot of women working in the prison? And what's the safety like for the women who are correctional nurses? Um, so when, when uh, John and I were there, there was a... Uh, female nursing student from Slick, I think. Uh, and there are nurses that work there as well. One of the nurses uh, is from, I, I guess without saying too much, she's from south of the border and her name is a lady, right? That's her first name. Um, and there are officers as well that are female. So I, and I think that it's okay. And, and here's why I'd say it's okay. In the in the hospital, there are certain uh, score, you know, satisfaction scores, right? How did the staff treat you there? Um, did you feel like you were, did you feel like your pain was controlled in a timely manner? Um, and, and I guess there's a lot of catering to the patients. And I'm not going to say that pain isn't important and that quality care isn't important. But when that patient in the hospital cat calls or, you know, looks at the uh, looks at the female staff's derriere, you know, I'll still call them out on it. Hey, that's not going to fly here. That's not appropriate. Uh, I can make sure that you have male caregivers the rest of the day, uh, but that's a professional that you're whistling at. Uh, you need to stop now. Uh, you, you know, you can still say that, but in the prison, <laughs> that, that stuff does not fly at all. Um, and there's, though there are still scores that talk about uh, patient safety uh, and care, you're not catering as much. So you can be blunt and you can have your officer right there by you to be blunt. Um, so I, I love that. I feel like if there's any concern for that, you can shut that down right there. Um, I'd say that um, you would probably find less at the, at the prison because you have officers by your side, whereas you don't have that all the time at the hospital. So from your experience, how are you a better nurse from serving in a prison? Yeah. Um, when somebody tells me that they've, that they've served time or they got this tat at the prison, I can say, you know, hey, I've, I've been there. That's, that's a rough spot. And I'm so glad you're out. You made it. Recidivism rates are huge, are super high. What have you done to stay out of it? Um, when maybe I'm taking care of a patient in restraints with the charge or another nurse, say, hey, you know, your, your abdomen is really close to that unrestrained leg. Um, do you want to do you want to move or can I trade you spots here? Let's make sure that we're safe. 
Um, I, I think that I think that being aware of the culture, just as you would be aware of a different culture, uh, be they Hispanic or Russian or Marshallese, uh, is is helpful in having a little bit of empathy. And I I can't say that I understand uh, all where they're coming from, but being part of being part of that that uh, that course where we uh, also went to the Children's Justice Symposium and I uh, got to go to the jail as well. You, you can kind of see a, a progression of where these people could come from and what their past have been. Um, and then again, just just safety. Uh, no matter where you are, if you're in the ICU or if you're on a, a med surge floor or if you're in the emergency department, you're going to come across people that are not safe. And knowing how to safely set boundaries and not... Uh, not get closer to one patient than you would another. So you're not showing favoritism to the patient that's easy, but you're respecting the patient who has active bipolar as much as you would the one who has coronary heart disease. Yeah, I, I, I think that safety and, and empathy are huge. Yeah, interesting. Well, thank you so, so much, James, for coming and being on the show. It was so great talking to you. Yeah, no, you, you betcha. Okay, here we are at the end of another great episode. We had some awesome interviews today talking about prison nursing, which is a side of nursing that we don't often see or talk about. And to end off this episode, we sent Donovan back on the street to talk to some students. Here it is. Hey guys, we're back on the street. Today, we're talking with seniors in the nursing program about their best studying tips for finals. So let's hear what they have to say. So we're here with Harper. How are you today? I'm doing so well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. With the finals coming up, what advice would you give to younger nursing students in preparing for their finals? I would say, at least for me, make sure to take a lot of breaks while you study. Um, pick something that you really enjoy and make sure to really think about yourself and your needs first. I think it's super, super easy for us to want to study for like 12 hours to make sure that we do the best we can. But once the finals are over, what's left is you and your mental health and your physical health. So just make sure to take care of yourself um, and make sure that you're feeding yourself and that you're going on walks, just doing everything you can. And the finals will kind of take care of themselves, in my opinion. Nice, I totally agree. Well, thank you so much. We're also here with Jessica, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm doing great. So finals are coming up. What study tips are you going to give you know students underneath you like your best tip what could you give I think the best advice I can give is study and do your best with the time that you have but ultimately when it comes down to it the rest is kind of up to the Lord and if you're doing the right things and if you're doing the best that you can with the time that you have the Lord will bless you and he'll magnify your efforts I think I've been way too stressed going into finals week and every single time it's ended up way better than I thought I would. So cool. Thank you. We're here with Megan. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Awesome. So what advice would you give to younger semesters in preparing for their finals? Um, something that really worked for me is going through the slides or the study guide, whatever is provided for each class um, and make a quizlet for each exam. And in that quizlet, then I would go through and I would type things from my notes or from the slides that were provided. And then once I had my whole quizlet filled out, then I would go through and quiz myself. 
And I know it's kind of intimidating when I would get to a question, a flashcard that I didn't know the answer to. My first reaction would be to flip it and look at the answer. But I noticed that when I took the time to really think about it and work it through um, in my mind, then even if I was completely wrong, (laughs) then at least I kind of got the ball rolling. Um, So just giving yourself a chance to think back about what you have learned when you go through those flashcards. um, And then that way you can recall that information easier when you go back and when you're taking the test. Nice. I love that. Well, thank you very much. And finally, we're here with Aubrey. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So you're semester five, right? Yes. Okay. So what study tips would you give to younger semesters as they prepare for their finals? Um, it's probably a tip most of the students learn um, pretty quickly on. It's to find girls who or guys who you can study with um, in groups. And COVID's made that kind of hard, but we've really honestly utilized Zoom as much as possible. And we've been meeting in the NLC a lot. Um, and my friends are my lifesavers. I don't think I'd be able to pass the semester without them and being able to study. So, um, highly recommend getting a group together, but I've also known girls who can study on their own and just ace the test. So just find your strengths and, uh, really stick to them and have some faith in them. Nice. I love that. Thank you. So as you guys can hear, there's a lot of great tips today from a lot of experienced nursing students. We hope you guys can take some of those tips and use them to absolutely crush your finals. So go out there and get studying. So Aidy, all this talk about finals and tests <laughs> makes me think, what is, what is the most unique test-taking strategy or study strategy that you have? Yeah, so I'm not the best test taker, but something I've found that has really helped me, a lot of times in nursing, you'll get these super long PowerPoints, right? And you're supposed to study every single slide for the test. So I love taking just blank sheets as paper and then writing down the most important things on the paper and kind of drawing things out, making little graphs, putting it into images so that writing it out with my own handwriting (laughs) and um, seeing those like most basic points really helps everything stick. I feel like that would work for me as well. I don't do that, but for me... Saying this might get all the nursing students to go burn down the Brim Hall building, but (laughs) the communications for a communications major, I don't really have that many tests. I can't remember the last like final test that I had to take. It's a lot of projects. So I'm not sure I'm very, I'm not sure I'm that great of an expert on test taking strategy, but when I do have to take a test, I feel like the thing that has always been the best for me is taking it earlier rather than later, because the longer that I study for something the more stressed I get about it. And if I wait like until the last day or the second to last day, I overthink it too much and I don't get enough sleep and I'm just worried all the time. And it's kind of like this dark cloud hanging over me all the time. But if I can get it done the first day of finals or the second day of finals, my life is just so much better. And I don't have that time to worry about it and to stress about it than if I would if I waited a few days. I totally agree. That is literally the worst feeling when you're procrastinating a test. The worst. (laughs) Sometimes you've studied all you can, so (laughs) give yourselves a break. (laughs) Exactly. And everyone, just good luck with your finals. We hope you do great and that you have a great summer break. Yeah, round two of COVID finals. You guys did it once. (laughs) You can do it again. And just like Adia said, good luck. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the College Handoff this week. It has been so much fun to record, and we hope that you guys are enjoying it. We will be here, same time, same place next week. See ya. See ya.